the greatest single thing that all of God's Word touches on is love. And when you receive it, and when you feel that, you want to write little poems like that and make videos and talk about, I feel loved. I, I even love how it starts off, her face is just kind of like, oh, just kind of, you know? I, and by the time you, you see it five times, you like start picking up on it. You're like, she's sad. And, she, <laughs> and towards the end, she's just like, man, it's great to be loved. Isn't it good to be loved? It's good to be the recipient of that. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today, the greatest love, the greatest thing that you and I can do. So in preparation, grab your program if you've got one, pull it out in front of you, open it up. I'm going to give you a couple things for you to write down. I think it's really, really important that we get in the habit of taking the football that gets passed to us and make this a conversation with God. Don't allow our time here on Sunday morning to just be uh, exclusive this time, but, but run with this conversation and continue to, to track along with him and what he wants you to grow into your life and what he wants to tell you. Elizabeth Browning says this, love doesn't make the world go round. Love is what makes the ride worthwhile. I love that. It is the thing that spices it up. It is the thing that makes life actually worth living. It is the greatest thing to be loved, to feel that. But it's also a real challenge to give love. And we're going to talk about that challenge this morning. So before we go any further, though, because this is week nine. This is a long series, isn't it? It's a long series for K2. Week nine of uh, everything you want. So we got to recap really quickly. I'm going to try to do this fairly fast, but there's a lot to tell you. Uh, if you have not uh, been here for every single week, all of this is online and available through iTunes, or you can go to our website and, and download it and catch up on the messages that you've missed. If there's anything out of this, uh, this whole entire nine weeks that, that I would just say, man, you have got to hit these, it would be the first two messages in the whole entire series. Seriously, like if you didn't catch those, life-changing uh, principles out of Second Peter chapter 1, I would just... I would beg and plead with you to go download that and to listen to it and, and grab your Bible and track along with it. So here's a quick recap. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, everything that you need, everything that you need for life and godliness, and let's define what that is. It isn't like if you need lots of money, all right? That's not what we're talking about. This isn't like how to win the lottery in five steps. This is how to have everything spiritually that you need for life. God says, I'll give it to you everything you need. We talked about it. Remember, remember Easter, that thing that happened a while ago? That's where we started this conversation. And we painted this picture of a big vault. Do you remember the big vault? Open it up, whoo, and all this money is inside, spiritual blessings. All of that is available because when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ and, and you have gained access to the throne of God, all of that is yours. All of the inheritance that God has is yours, spiritually, all spiritual blessings, everything you need. So that has kind of been our whole entire series. And, and we've broken it up into several different parts. In 2 Peter 1, he says two things. Two things will allow you to have everything you need for life. And then add some other things. So he starts with two things. He said, first, it starts with knowing God, knowing Him. And we've asked the question almost every week, where are you on that? Do you know God? And again, it's, it, we've clarified, it's just not head knowledge. Head knowledge is good. Let's not knock it. It's good. But it's where the head knowledge actually moves to the heart and, 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 and takes residence up in your heart. So I know, I, I can know somebody, but do I know God? And then from my heart, it actually works out through my hands and it starts to affect my life. So do you know God? So to clarify what that means is have you come to the place in your life where you've stepped across the line where you're like, God, I'm all in. Seriously, I'm all in. I need everything that you are in me. 
I need all of your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy and, and fill in the blank and all of that. I need all of that in me. I can't survive without you, God. I need your forgiveness for all my sin. I need everything that Jesus did on the cross. All right? So we ask that question, do you know God? The second thing we asked is, if you know him, engage. Engage. We painted the picture of, of marriage. Uh, it would be one thing if I just showed up at the wedding day with Beth. I'm like, I'm all in. Woo! Woo! I'm moving out. <laughs> what? We just got married. I know. I just did it for the marriage part. And now that we've done that, I'm really excited about that. But I'm actually going to go over here and do my other thing. We would never do that. When you have a relationship with somebody, you engage. And especially with God, that he gives you everything that you want. You engage in the relationship with him. That was the first two weeks. <sighs> How are we doing? All right. Then Second Peter. Can you understand why this is so exciting? I get slightly excited and I apologize. Second Peter chapter 1 then goes on to say, do you know him? Engage him? And it, 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 we, we make it look like this. We've been throwing up these little graphics here of this is God in, in life and he's spinning. And, and, and uh, we, when we engage with God, we get everything that we need for life and godliness. There it is. Check it out. We're getting mileage out of that. That's called mileage graphics. And, uh, and it is God, his strength, his character, his love, his grace that actually gives motion to my life. That, get, that it allows me to live. And, and it says in chapter one, to become productive and, uh, and, and everything I need for life. Then... Peter goes on to say, add these seven things. So that's where we got this series here, first two things, and then add these seven things. And every week, for the last seven weeks, we've been going through and saying, okay, what is it, Peter? What do you want us to add to our faith? Faith is knowing God and engaging with Him. Then add to that these seven things. So let's take a look at the verse really quick, starting in verse 5 of 2 Peter 1. I'm not going to read it word for word. I'm just going to pick out the words. For this very, very reason, add to your faith moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness. And then last week, the number sixth thing is to add brotherly kindness, which is a form of love. It's, it's the Philadelphia love that we talked about last week. It's the love that, that you and I have in a family. So add that kind of love. And then here's the last one. He says it again add love again. So there's a distinction that we need to make here just before we even dive into this, and that is the first love, that brotherly kindness, we, we threw out some other words for it last week, you remember that? Affection, right? And that shows up in our relationships through honoring each other and respect. When we have that type of love, then we have everything we need. It gives us, it is wild. When I love you and you love me, it gives us actually access to God. Isn't that great? It does something to grow my faith. It does something to my relationship with God. Remember, you spur me on when you love me. I spur you on. But what's interesting about that brotherly kindness is who's the target audience there? Remember from last week, who's the target audience? We are. It's the church. It's K2. And we said that. Hey, K2, have some brotherly kindness. Have, have love for one another. Brotherly kindness, in, in this context here, he's not talking about the whole entire world. He's talking about us, our family. Have brotherly kindness, respect, and honor, affection for one another in the body of Christ. So that was last week. Now, uh, I got some emails this week. It was really, really fun when I get emails and, and, uh, and, and see this getting played out in life, you know? And so I got this one from a gal, and she said it was so cool. She went home later on uh, in the week after uh, the message last week, and she got a... Uh, she got an envelope with no a, a return address on there, and uh, she opened it up, and there was 20 bucks inside with a little tiny sticky note that said, brotherly kindness and affection. Isn't that great? 
And I'd like to just say that my address is 835 Sandy Creek Drive. <laughs> Seriously. You know, I, like, I want in on that deal. Dude, that is lame. That is lame. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate that. So anyways, uh, <laughs> my house, picnic today, whatever. You know, come on over. Um, that's brotherly kindness in action. When we serve each other, we love each other specifically in the church, in the body of Christ. So then Peter says, add love to your faith. Brotherly kindness, add love. And this is the last thing he says here. The word is different, though. The word is not about the body of Christ as much as it is about the agape love for everyone. So wherein brotherly kindness is about a very specific group of people, love actually says everyone. And the word, the Greek word is agape. If you drill down into this agape word, you find a lot of cool things about it. One is, it's a selfless kind of love, which means it, I'm all about you on this deal. Like, it is all about you. It is, is me loving you. I'm giving you, uh, and, and it's unconditional too. Isn't that great when you have unconditional love? Like, like that's the type of love I want. I don't want a love where I got to uh, jump through hoops because I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. And this is the type of love that, that I, I receive from God that you receive. And aren't you glad you do? Because can you imagine the, the conversation? If, if God did not give us unconditional love, it'd be like, cool, Andy, you were good for like five minutes and I'm going to love you for that period of time. The rest of the day was shot. Let's try again tomorrow, right? You know, if you can just like hold your life together for about 30 seconds, I'll give you some love. That's not agape love. Uh, so in other words, agape love is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's a choice that I make. It's a choice that God has made for you and me. When you marry and, and you take a spouse, that's agape love. You say, I am choosing. Because guess what? You're going to wake up 348 days from now in a bad mood, and I'm not going to feel like loving you. But I will, because love is not a feeling. It's a choice that I've made, right? If you've been married for any length of time, give me a hallelujah. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, all right. So you know what I'm talking about. But it's even true with siblings. <laughs> Wow, somebody actually gave me a whoop whoop, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, that happens even with siblings too, and family, and really tight relationships, just not even in a marriage, but tight relationships that you have one, with one another. That's, a, that's agape, where I say, I'm going to love you no matter what. But what's interesting here is Peter is, is saying, add that for everybody else. Whoa, whoa, hold on. What up? Maybe we're misinterpreting this. But this is who God is. This is his heart to include everybody into the umbrella of love. Hmm. Check this out. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Don't you hate that when we talk about a concept? We're like, well, let's just read that concept. I mean, it's here. This is really hard stuff when God is all about this type of love. And he goes, now I want you to translate that to your life. This is difficult. 1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us continue to agape. Let us continue to unconditional love. Let's continue to do it, not as a feeling, but as a choice, to love one another selflessly. For that type of love comes from God. Anyone who loves is born of God and knows God. But anyone who does not know God, I'm sorry, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. What's really interesting about this verse is there's, there are lines drawn of connection here. That if I am in God and I'm connected with Him, I've engaged with Him, I know Him, and my faith is, is growing in Him, this relationship with Him, I am going to start to take on His characteristics. 
his, his life in me, his power in me, his strength in me, and here, apparently, his love in me. And so in order for me to actually, and for you, to actually give an agape type of love to the other people, which is the rest of the world, in order to do that, it starts with receiving. So I've actually got to receive that. Because who was the author of agape love? God was. Who's the one who showed it first? God did. Who is it that impacts my life unconditionally, showing me great love all the way from my head down to my toes? God did. He's the one that gives me that unconditional love. And when he starts to take residence up in my life and, and change my life, it starts pouring out of me. And there's an issue, though. There's an issue. The flip side could be true as well. When I don't see it pouring out of me, maybe there's a clog in there. Maybe there's an issue. There's a heart issue. But I think it's really fascinating here that Peter ends with love. This is the very last thing in the list of, of, of the seven. He says, add all of these other things. And then, and then he gets to number six, and he goes, and add brotherly kindness. You know, love each other in here. And then he gets to number seven, and he says, and then add love for everybody else. And I think this is the reason why he added it, is right here. Isn't that cool? Yeah, there it is. All right, just go ahead and sing with me. You ready? Here we go. All you need is love. Go ahead and get your lighter out. Just get your lighter out. I'm using chapstick. Great. Yeah. Love is all you really need, right? Okay, got it? In a loose sense, I think that's what Peter's saying. <laughs> all you need is love. Last week we talked about it too, that... Uh, um, if we were to just add all of these things and kind of leave off the love portion, and let's go back to last week, the love for one another, and then this week, the love for the, the world. If we just added all those things and left off the love, what is the result? It, it starts to feel like religion, doesn't it? That, that, that we're just kind of walking through the hoops and kind of doing all this stuff. And maybe some good stuff is happening, but we're not really loving I was laughing because I saw Ruth Gong here earlier, and, uh, and when she got married, and we, uh, I did her wedding, we came to uh, the 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a great, great passage about love, right? And it said, without love, you are a, a, a resounding symbol or a clanging what? Gong. I'm like, did you hear that, Ruth Gong? You know, that was her maiden name, and she's like, yeah. Without love, without love, you're just this gong, this resounding noise, it's just static. And Peter says, if you want to get some traction, this is, this is the thing right here that gives traction. When you and I start becoming this, this conduit for God's love, that we receive it and that it starts to pour out through our life. And if it doesn't, then we begin to miss opportunities of God working around us in our world. We refer to those often, like you'll hear it on Sunday morning, we talk about domains, right? You live in a lot of different domains. You live in some of you live in like a sugar house domain, and it gets more specific than that. You might live on a, sp a specific street, and that's kind of like your domain. You might also have a work domain. You may have a play domain. You may have like a sporting domain. You may have like, I don't know, pottery barn domain, whatever the dom domains are of your life. And there's so many different ones of those. Those are the, the areas where you have like spheres of influence, the people that God puts you in contact with. When you and I have not received the love first, and then when it's not flowing out of us, we miss the opportunities in our domain to love people on behalf of Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about that 
We're going to actually take a look at a quick snapshot of Jesus where he actually did this. This phenomenal story where he met with this guy and, and he went for it. But right before we jump into that story, there's one other little tiny word here that is really difficult. And the word is sacrifice. And it really plays into this agape love, sacrifice. Because if we're really going to start loving people, and that's what he's saying here, K2, love each other. And then, hey, K2, you got to love the world. And if we are really loving the people in our domains, it actually becomes a conversation almost about sacrifice, doesn't it? A couple years ago, I was hiking around uh, Mount Rainier, and I went with uh, laid-back Steve. Have I told you about laid-back Steve? He's in a lot of my stories. Steve is really cool, and he's, he's really laid back. And he's just kind of like, what up, man? Yeah, it's all good. You know, like nothing gets Steve really upset at all. He's just a very even-keeled uh, guy, and he's, he's one of my good friends. And we've been hiking it, and we were way, way out. We had a choice. We could take like two weeks and head off in this direction, or we could take two weeks and kind of skirt around the populated areas and come back in for gear if we needed it, and just and whatever. And so we're standing at this trailhead, and, and there in Mount Rainier, they have these signs that are posted at some trailheads where it tells you about bear danger and, 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 and like cougar danger, right? Which I think they're always dangerous, but apparently <laughs> sometimes they're a little more hungrier than others, right? And so they got little, little tiny uh, signs there, and they're like, the cougar danger is high. I'm like, ooh, you know? And so we were standing there. I'm like, so what do you want to do, Steve? And he's like, it's good. It's kind of what I expected. All right, so <laughs> I'm like, let's just go and do that. Let's just, let's go for it. And he's like, great, let's go. And, and, and so we, we, we busted down this trail. And what was really amazing is not too far down, like, like four or five miles, we got down this trail. Let me just make a picture for you really quick here. Beautiful trees and canopy. And like the sun's out, but have you ever been in a forest like that where it's so canopied, where uh, the sun has a hard time getting through and ferns all over, right? And the wildlife is really, really thick. And uh, I, I'm joking about this a little bit, but it's almost like you got to push deer out of the way. You're like, excuse me, moving along, you know? And they're like, it's thick and there's a little bit of a mist coming through. And I'm walking, I'm first in line, Steve's behind me, we got these big packs, we're out for two weeks, and I'm looking down, and suddenly I look back, and, you know, just to check the trail, and I look up, there's a cougar sitting right there, on the trail. Okay, it doesn't get any bigger, better than that, but then I remembered the sign, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm watching this thing, and I'm trying to tell Steve, I'm like, Steve, there's a cougar, and I turn back, gone. Everything was worth it for that moment. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've seen that out in nature and you've been there. But see, that trail, that was one of the hardest trails we've ever took. And there's danger in that. And, and it was hard. We could have played it safe. We could, have, we could have gone to another trail where it was more convenient, right? A little more comfort. If we ran out of supplies, we could have gotten supplies a little bit in a more populated area. But we made this decision to go for it, to like actually really engage. And when we were out there, we got to see the, just the majesty of God sitting on the edge of a lake where there's nobody there. You're like, we have this one to ourselves tonight. You know, this whole entire lake just for us. And the danger of that and the hardcore climbing and the, the trekking through. And it's so much richer and so much more rewarding for that type of sacrifice. See, I think the same is true when it comes to our relationships with the people around us. Is that the people that God brings into our life on a daily basis... I think sometimes we can play it safe, can't we? We can play it safe. We can have a safe journey and, and maybe engage just a little bit, maybe love a little bit. But see, that's not what agape love is about. 
Agape love has everything to do with sacrifice because I'm putting skin in the game. I'm self-sacrificing in order to love you because what was the word? Unconditional. Okay, that's, that's a different type of love right there. That is a way different type of love. You, you Relate this back to the Bible for a second and back to what Jesus did for you and me. Was there anything safe about his type of unconditional love for me? No. He ended up dying on a cross. Was there anything really comfortable about that? No, it was this unbelievable, unconditional love that said, I'm all in. I'm all in. I don't care what the danger is. I don't care what the the sacrifice has to be made. That's the love I want to give you. And when you receive that, look out. That's not like a human, humanly type love, is it? That is a godly love. Here's a great quick uh, snapshot we're going to soak in for just a few minutes. And I'm going to give you just a couple of key phrases that you can just jot in your notes. And again, think through this, this coming week. Kind of wrestle with them. And I want you to spend some time on self-evaluation. You know, look, look at your life and, and ask some of these questions. So a quick little snapshot of, of Jesus and how he interacted with, with this guy. And maybe some of you have heard this story before. And, and, if, and if you have, my prayer is that you would hear this with fresh ears. That today that your ears and your eyes would be new and that uh, as, as we read it together, you would pick up something about how God says sacrificial love, unconditional agape love really comes from him. And it's our model. Here it is, Luke chapter 19. I love this story. Starting in verse one, Jesus is walking along with his disciples and here's where we find it. He entered Jericho and he made his way through the town and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And he was one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business. And he had become very rich. So a lot of time, these guys who were tax collectors, they were, they were, uh, they were, they were Jews. And they were, they were going out and collecting money from Jews. And they were cheating them and kind of almost like robbing the blind of money, bumping up the tax a little bit, trying to get more, pocketing some, keeping it for themselves. So they were not liked at all. They were, they were pretty hated, actually. Look at verse 3 here. And he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree beside the road so he could watch from there. Some of you uh, may not have uh, had the privilege of of growing up in church and like the privilege of knowing the the little tiny kid songs that we learn about Bible stories. And uh, (laughs) that may be good or bad, but there's a great little uh, song here. How many of you know this one about this particular event? It goes like this. You can just sing it with me, right? Hands are going up. They're like, please, let's sing it. It's, it's been at least 20 years. Let's sing, right? Okay, here we go. Zacchaeus was a Anna. man. Right? Okay. That's kind of like the new updated version. Zacchaeus remix. But uh, I was kind of laughing about that last night because it's nice in order to help children learn these these Bible stories that we make songs about people's physical limitations, right? So Zacchaeus, he was a, oh, he was a wee little man. I don't know how the rest of it goes. He had a receding hairline, whatever it was. And he climbed a, a sycamore tree, really nice and loving, I know. So and, and just to paint the picture here, uh, I'm thinking Danny DeVito. That kind of feels, feels like it, doesn't it? So just have that in mind for the rest of the Bible story. That's just me. You don't have to adopt that picture. But here he is. Just, he's short. He's a tiny little guy. And he can't see Jesus. He, he can't see what's going on. So he gets real creative in the moment, and he climbs a tree. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus. 
and he called him by name. Isn't that cool? He called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quickly come down, for I must be a guest in your home today. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the crowds were displeased. And they said this, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood, he stood there and he said to the Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've overcharged people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a son of Abraham. And I, the son of man, have come to seek and save those like him who are lost. This is a very, very short encounter. And we don't have the liberty of knowing how long they were together. We actually we don't have the liberty of knowing everything that they talked about. Because they shared a meal here, but we don't know everything that happened. But here's what we do know about this passage. We know what happened in the beginning, don't we? And we know what the end result was in this passage. The beginning was that, that Jesus stopped and loved this guy. Do you think Zacchaeus knew people didn't like him? I'm sure he did. I'm sure. I mean, he, he was not a well-liked guy. I'm sure he knew that. I'm sure he, he felt that. <laughs> I'm sure, I, I don't, and I'm guessing here, I, probably he was alone in, in the crowd. I don't know. Probably didn't have people to hang out with him unless there were other guys that were like him, hated and unloved, and maybe they were, since they cheated everybody else, maybe even his friends, they cheated each other. I don't know. But Jesus stops, and that's where this story begins. Jesus stopped, and he loved this guy big time. Now, here was the end result of this passage that we just read here. The end result is Zacchaeus was totally transformed. So what was the result of Jesus loving on him? The guy totally repented. He turned his life around, and and in this brief encounter, suddenly says, man, I got to change my ways. And his life takes a total turn. He says, I'm going to give it all back. Anyone I've cheated, four times the amount. Something happened right there. Something magical happened right there. And I think it was, was some sacrifice going on. As I look at this, this, this story, it is amazing the areas that we see Jesus sacrifice as he's moving throughout his day, as he's interacting with people, and he's loving on people. And again, back to that word sacrifice, I think it's easy to... Sacrifice a little, you know. <laughs> We've all probably done that. You throw, you know, throw a little extra in, donate a little extra here, do a little extra here or there. But what we see going on here through Jesus is sacrifice. He really, really sacrifices. And for you and I to really love people that God brings into our life and for us to really understand what this unconditional agape love is, we got to take a look at the sacrifice here. So you can write down just three words we're going to say together and uh, you can put them right in your program. I think in order to really start to love as Jesus loves, we're going to see it here in this, this story, is that you and I have got to start sacrificing time. That's what I, I want you to write down. Just write down the word time there. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would say that we cannot really truly love other people unless we would sacrifice some of our time. It is hard, I, I, maybe another way to say it is it's hard to love people on the run. 
right? When I'm just kind of passing through, when we're not investing with one another, when, 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 we, don't, when we don't stop and actually say, you have now some of my time. Now, we don't know the extent of Jesus' calendar, right? We don't, we don't know. But historically, if we looked at his, his life and we see it in the Gospels here, Jesus was stopping all the time. He was stopping and he was giving people time and, and pausing. And even here in, in Luke, he didn't just, just say to Zacchaeus, hey, climb down from that tree, wee little man. Just, why don't you climb down and let's just go down to the, store, uh, the corner really quickly. We'll grab some falafel or whatever, some coffee, and just spend some time together really fast. Let's just do that. That wasn't the sort of time that we saw here. What did he do with Zacchaeus? He had a meal. He had a full-on meal with Zacchaeus. So not only are, Jesus says, am I going to have this meal with you? And by the way, our meals are so different, right? Meals were events back then. Right now, meals are just like, hey, here's a burrito. They throw it by as you walk, you know, drive through. Not that those are bad. Those are scrumptious. But, but this type of meal that we're talking about here is a longer period of time. Zacchaeus. Let's get together. Let's be together. But here's what's also interesting is where did that meal take place? Zacchaeus' house. In his house. Now, you just need to think about that for a second. <laughs> Does that feel a little weird? That's risky right there, man. Right? Okay, just try it. If you don't believe it, just try it. As you walk out of here today, find someone you don't know and be like, I'll be over in 15 minutes. Yeah. No, your house. I'll be over. Where do you live? Right? A lot of risk in that. There's a lot of risk in that with people you know. I'll be over in 15 minutes. <laughs> That's time. That is crazy love. That is insane love from Jesus. He's walking down the street. There are lots of cl- crowds. There's lots of people around him. He stops. His agenda comes to a screeching halt. He looks over. I'm spending time with you. What would that look like today if you and I actually did that? That kind of unconditional, selfless love. Like, I, no, I'm just not like, you know, here's a dollar, here's this, or I'll help you move once or twice, and don't ask me three times. I would never ask you to move three times, or, or this, or maybe that, or just... But what if we actually really, 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 really put skin in the game with time with people? That's the agape. That's the unconditional part. And here's what's wild, is that Jesus did not just do this once. So we're, we're talking about Luke 19 here, but there are other examples all throughout the scripture where Jesus did this, where he was going and he paused and he, and, and he took this economy of time that he has and he invested it in the lives of people. Now, we're not going to read this right now, but you can later if you want something to check out this week and go to Mark chapter five. Great example of this where, where Jesus, he comes off this boat and, and, and he's met by this high ranking religious uh, figure. His name is Jairus. And Jairus is there, and Jairus says to him, Jesus, my daughter, my daughter is dying. This child is dying. Can you come and actually heal her? And what's Jesus' response? Yes, I will do that. Yes, I'll come. And so he, he goes, and they begin to walk together, going to Jairus' house. And along the way, they're in this crowd, again, in a crowd. And somebody touches Jesus. And what does he do? He stops again. And he turns around, and he asks the question in this crowd. And he goes, who touched me? Now, if I'm Jairus and my daughter's dying, my kid's dying, what am I thinking? Who cares? You're in a crowd. I don't know who touched you. Maybe it was that guy. Fine. I touched you because I was pushing you. Let's go. Put some heat into it, Jesus. Come on. That's what I would be feeling. But Jesus, amazing. 
amazing in this moment, not only ministers to this high-ranking official, turns around and finds the gal that touches him, this lady who is sick, who is ill, and he heals her. She needed hope, and he gave her hope. She needed physical healing, and he healed her at the same time while loving and ministering to this official. See, there's a great question here to reflect on. Does the world, the domain that I live in, so your office, your neighborhood, your playgroups, your sports teams, wherever it is that you live, in your, your area where you have some influence, where you're doing life, does that world around you, do they get the best of your time? or simply the leftovers. Because see, if you and I have received this love from God, part of loving other people is giving people our time. Here's the second thing that we can pull out of Luke chapter 19. This is just off the wall crazy. Is that in order to really, really love, not only do I need to sacrifice time, my time, but I have to start sacrificing, like Jesus did, this superficiality. In other words, if I'm going to love people that God brings into my life, and really engage people in my life, then, then we just can't do that on the surface. <laughs> it's easy to do it on the surface, isn't it? It's easy to just kind of, you know, just keep everything at a surface level. But agape love says, I'm actually going to pull back some layers with you, and I'm going to go in a little bit farther. I'm going to pull back and go, go deeper with you. That's risky, isn't it? It's easy to do that with people that you're like, it's easy to do that with people that are maybe in your family or that you hang out with or you're like, he's cool, yeah, I'll go, I'll go a little deeper with that person or this person or whatever. It's really, really hard to have agape love for the person that you don't actually really know that well. And so we keep them sometimes in our distance. It's just risky. I think it's just part of being human that we do that. But agape love says, will you engage where God wants you to engage when God wants you to engage? If I receive love from him, then, then it flows out of me. And sometimes it means that I sacrifice the superficiality, and you're on your own spelling that in your notes, by the way, <laughs> the superficiality in my life. So that's not what Jesus did here. Jesus didn't walk down the road, look up at Zacchaeus, because if he had been superficial, it would have been like, hey, look, disciples, a wee man in the tree, look, and then he would walk on. Look at, look at him. I think he needs something. He's beckoning. He needs something. Yes, he is directly asking me a question. Good luck, wee man, you know, and moving on. Not only did he give him time, but he pulled back layers too. He dined with him. And I can't imagine for a moment that Jesus would sit silently with somebody not talking. Can you, can you imagine that? We don't have that portion of the story, but can you just imagine? Wow, Jesus, total drag. That didn't say anything the whole meal. Didn't engage me. I mean, didn't, we didn't talk about anything. That's, that's not the Jesus that I know. Jesus lovingly looking for opportunities, loving people, talking, giving value to people, speaking into people's lives, sharing this great grace and hope with people, risking it, pulling back layers of the superficiality. There's this great little word that uh, sometimes we use, <laughs> or this actually little phrase, and actually, it's a really, really good question. It's a great question. How's it going? <laughs> but there's rules attached to that, isn't it? If you ask somebody, how's it going, do you really actually want to know how's it going? 
No, what, what's the answer that you normally give? How's it going? Good, fine, great, stupendous. Try that one, right? Everything's great. It's fine. And I'm so, I'm so guilty of that. I'm guilty this morning. I was over in the white, white building. Here I am. I'm like actually talking about this today, right? So I, I, I sort of should know previous to the service what I'm talking about. And I walked by a friend of mine. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Good. And I looked back at his face and, and, and he went like this. He's like, it's all right. So what do I do? Hope that works out for you. Yeah, rooting for you. Whatever it is, whoop, whoop, you're right, and walk off. See, part of risking and showing people love is actually stopping and pulling back some of the layers and going deeper into it and engaging people. But I fear sometimes, like, our relationships are a little like buffets, right? Any, any fans of all-you-can-eat buffets in here? Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Yeah, you can be proud. It's all, it's good. There is a, there, I love buffets, but there is a rookie mistake. And you can totally tell when people don't understand the buffet. It's a, total, it's a classic rookie mistake. People show up to the buffet and they start loading their plate up before they're even through it. I'm like, whatever. Yeah, he totally does not know. He, they have not been here. A real pro at a buffet, they're looking ahead. They're making room to sample every little thing on it. They're going to, I mean, they're going to try it all. And I think sometimes, though, we do that with relationships. I'm just going to skim off the top. I'm not going to really engage with you. Yeah, you might get some of my time, but, and you might even get four hours of my time, but, but it's all good because I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep it real surface with you. I'm going to skim off the top. And here, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus sacrificed not only his time, but he sacrificed his superficiality. He recognizes there's a need in Zacchaeus, and he goes, he goes to the table with him. And we know that because at the end of the story, Zacchaeus is deeply transformed. There is something, something that happened there in that conversation. So here's a challenge for you. The challenge this week is to really enter into a conversation. Would you, t- seriously, I'd love for you to take me up on this. To really enter into a conversation where you really actually want to know what's going on with somebody. How's it going? And I actually really want to know. And I'm going to pause, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to, I'm going to care about what you're telling me. And if it's an okay or fine, okay, that's fine. How's it going? How is it really going in your life? And then to actually listen and wait for God. Wait for God to use you as a conduit of his love. Right after the first service, there was a gentleman that came up, and he, and he spoke to me, and he goes, all right, so I, I tried that. He goes, I was in San Francisco. And uh, I saw this guy in a street corner, and I, I, just, I just felt like I need to ask him. And I said, how's it going? And the guy exploded. I'll tell you how it's going. And then this, and then this happened, and blah, blah. And he's like, really? One hour later, they shared life together. I just asked how it was going. But see, what, what happened is, the gentleman who came up, he sacrificed not only his time, but he sacrificed his superficiality and he went for it. That's love. It's easy to serve people without really loving people. Do you know that? You can do that. You can totally go through the actions of serving people and not really, really convey agape, unconditional love to people. Unconditional love means I stop and I'm gonna put my agenda to sight and I'm gonna listen to you. What is going on in you? Larry Crabb, great counselor, he throws out this number like 95% of the people that come into his office for counseling, they just need someone to listen. One of the best ways that you can show people in your life is to listen to them. And through that, you're loving them. 
That's what Jesus did a lot of. Here's the third thing. This one is going to be really, really big. This is going to be the one that's really, really hard. If we are going to start to learn to love like God loved, this, un- this agape love for the people in our domains that God brings into our life, and take advantage of those opportunities to love people for God. One, give up of our time, sacrifice our time. Two, that we're going to sacrifice the superficiality. And here's the third one, is that we are going to sacrifice our comfort. If you look back at, at, at uh, Luke 19, verse 7, in fact, let's look at it back on the screen here. Jesus not only put some skin on the game on this thing, he actually took some heat for it. He took some heat in that people gave him a really hard time. But the crowds were displeased. They were upset. Jesus, what are you doing? What about us? What about this? What, what, what are you doing? Why would you even hang out with that guy? Come on, get your values back in line, Jesus. What are you doing? Jesus took some heat to love on somebody. Not only did he take some heat, but he got out of his comfort zone. That's why people were upset, because it was out of their comfort zone. Why would you love that guy? Seriously. Don't invest your time over there. Invest your time right here. But Jesus got out of his zone and loved this man. We talked about it last week. We just really briefly, we, we touched on it. That there are certain people in our domains, in our life, that make us uncomfortable, aren't there? You know, and if I were to ask you the list, who are the people in your neighborhoods and your work and this and the place and where you grocery shop or whatever it is, and what are the characteristics of them? What are they like? What are the, what are the things that, that make you uncomfortable? Those are the areas where sometimes God t- takes us the most to love. That when I receive the love from God, then I'm gonna start to sacrifice my comfort. And do you know what, another way to say it is, I set my pride aside. And I allow God to flow out of my life. And I'm not pretending for a moment here, okay? I'm just standing with you here at K2. Andy, to you. That's hard. That's where the rubber meets the road of my faith and God flowing through my life. That's tough. Because it's easy to love the people that are comfortable. It's easy to love the people that I connect with. This is where it gets really hard. And when I start saying, okay, Jesus, then you give me the strength. And I may take heat for it. And I may be way outside of my zone. Make it all you, Jesus, and not me. Oh, shoot. I was just going to say something. Oh, it was right on the tip of my brain. Hold on. Stay with me for a second. It's right here. It's gone. Sacrifice is, is, is really where it's at for, for, for following Jesus Christ. Oh, here it is. It just came to me. <laughs> a couple months ago, it's not my notes, that's why. A couple months ago, I was, uh, I was out with my, my girlies, and we were walking through the stream, and this picture just hits me so perfectly when I think about how God wants me to love individuals and what he's asking us to do. We were in this, really, this little tiny ravine, and uh, we were walking, and um, we had our, our sandals on, and we were kicking through, and the water was really cold, but we were kicking through it and just having a blast. And it was uh, the Mountain Dell area um, up in Sandy. And as we, uh, we walked through uh, Dimple Dell area, and we came to this culvert that goes underneath the road. And uh, <laughs> at first I looked at it, I'm like, no, we shouldn't. 
yes, we should, <laughs> you know, because this little adventure in me started rising up. I'm like, we should totally do that. And what's cool about this culvert is it was like 14 feet tall, pretty tall. It was only like 25 feet, 30 feet maybe long. It was, it was very, very short. So you could totally see the other side, side. much, a lot of light, completely safe. And yet, um, you, and you could see the bottom and the, the, the water flowed through. It was only like 10 inches. So I gathered up all the girls and I got them on me, you know, like a mama spider. And they're all on my back. I'm like, all right, let's go. And we busted through it. And they were loving it and squealing and just like, yeah, this is so great. And we're going to tell mom and, and all kinds of stuff. And we went through the other side and uh, it hit me at that moment. The culvert doesn't decide when water doesn't flow through it, does it? When water comes, what happens? It does its job. There's no valve in a culvert. There's nothing there that impedes it. It just flows. What goes in comes out. That's unconditional love. That's love that when you have received that from God, are you kidding me? <sighs> are you kidding me? That's what I have to do. It's almost like a compelling thing. And so Second Peter, Peter says, add that because that gives you traction for everything you need. You have all of this inheritance, everything you need for life. Okay, give that on through love. As we end here today, I've got just a couple questions for you. In fact, band, I want you guys to come up and lead us into some worship. I think one of the things that's really hard about this is this, that when I start to think about the things that keep me from showing unconditional love, this gets to be a real hard conversation really quick and very difficult and somewhat uncomfortable. What are the things that keep you from loving those around you. For some of us, it's just our time. We just, we don't have time because I haven't made time because my time is more important. My agenda is more important. Jesus walking down the road. I got places to go. I don't have time. Are you guilty of that? I had a hard time writing that actually down today because that's mine. I've got some place to go. I've got something to do. I don't have time to love. Yeah, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing my life, but I don't have time to love. That's where the sacrifice starts happening. There's a second side of this too, is that even if I do have time to love, what, what does that mean if I pull back layers of superficiality and actually go deep? That means now I have skin in the game. And that gets real dirty and real messy quick, doesn't it? And sometimes there's a fear there, Right? that if I'm actually going to love the way, the way this is talking about, then that means I expose who I am. Where does that go? Can I do that? That's scary. There's a lot of risk in that. In this third portion too, that if I'm really, really, really love, that, that it's going to take me completely out of my comfort zone. And for some of us, that, that is very scary to move outside of the places where, where we normally live and work and play. And maybe if it's even right in the domain, to have that conversation with that guy I've been sitting next to in the cubie for years. And it's scary to go, it's just even scary to walk to the next cubicle to start engaging people and loving them. What is it today that blocks that culvert for you? What is it that's blocking it up so the stream of God's love is not flowing through your heart? Because whatever that is, Jesus says, give that to me. Seriously, you want everything you want? You want to be productive, effective, 
in your faith. You got love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. <laughs> Live a life with agape for others by following the example of Christ. Who what? Who loved you. And he gave himself as a sacrifice to take away your sins. And God was pleased because that sacrifice was like sweet, sweet perfume to him. Live a life of love for others. That's really what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about, adding to your faith. Following Christ's example, it says in Ephesians 5. And that example is sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice. Some of you have yet to understand that sacrifice, that you might be feeling that, that sweet, sweet voice of, of God pulling you, asking you, engaging with you. See, I can't fully, fully understand and fully give the love that Peter's talking about here until I actually receive the love. And for some of you, that's the place you start on this topic, is to come to a place in your life where you can have this honest conversation with God say yes to him. Say, I need that grace. I need that forgiveness. I don't understand all, but I need you. I need every bit of sacrifice that you did on the cross. I need that for the forgiveness of my sins. And for some of you, you need to do that today. To come to a place where you say yes to his love first. And for others of you who have already said yes to him, to identify what is it in your life? What is it that blocks up that culvert, that channel of God's love? Is it the fear? Is it your time? Is it your agenda? Is it your protecting the superficiality? What is it? We're just pure, just crazy, I'm out of my comfort. And as we go into worship, I wanna, I wanna ask you, mm, I really wanna beg with you, that you would take that before the throne of God. Simply just confessing that and saying, God, I've stopped up your love. I really have. Would you build into me? Because remember, it's knowing him and engaging. Build that love so it becomes my love. And, and just last, can you imagine? Just imagine with me. Wow. If we would each do that. This world has not seen it yet. Oh, this side of heaven, love flowing out of God's people. Spectacular.